Well, good morning. We're going to start our service today with uh, a few songs and worship. So um, please make your way in if you're in the lobby. And uh, if you're here in the sanctuary, stand with us. And uh, we'll start with a few songs. To a dark and formless world, your light was born. You spread out your arms over empty hearts, said that there'd be light. Into a dark and hopeless world, your son was born. Oh, you made saw that it was good. You sent your only son for you are good. What a wonderful maker. What a wonderful Savior. How majestic your of how great you are. No eye has fully seen how beautiful the cross, and we have only heard the faintest whispers of how great you are. Oh, you made the world and saw that it Wonderful God, 
There's so many reasons, too many to count. And to say that I love you, and to worship you now. Your love is perfect, your heart is kind. I'm yours forever.
Good morning, church. Happy Sunday. Uh, my name is Maddie Marshall, and um, thanks for leading us in worship, by the way. That was wonderful. Um, yeah, this is the time. This is working. Okay. Um, this is the time in service where we get to share how great God is. And I loved that song as we kind of lead into this time. Um, and so um, I'll start because, you know, break the ice. Um, but I was thinking about what I would share this morning, and I think I wanted to testify to um, the God who provides. Um, I think if there's moms in the room, reliable childcare is a concern and hope for most people. And so um, as the new school year begins, um, just saw God provide um, surprisingly reliable um, childcare, which was not the case for us last year. And so just feel really seen and cared for by God in this coming season. So who else would like to share? So uh, there's somebody that Sharon and I have been praying for for about two years. Uh, he's a very hardcore secular person. I don't think he ever went to church until uh, we took him a while back just for one day. But um, uh, yesterday, he asked to go to church. Uh, he's not here, but uh, he's he's we assume he's in church today and uh that is so exciting we're just we're just thrilled about it but god you know knows everybody's journey and and uh, brought this brother to to church so we're very happy about it thank you dan well what's his name nope nope we'll pray for the unnamed man who god is working in his heart wonderful thank you so much Thank you. This is a great story. Uh, last Wednesday, I was getting ready to go to our men's Bible study in Warren, and I said goodbye to Carol. I'll see you at quarter after nine. And as I was going out to the car, I noticed this gentleman next door passing out literature. And I said, boy, he, he looks hot. I bet he's thirsty. And typically, I said, oh, well. So I get in the car and I start the car up and suddenly I hear this voice, not from here, but a pretty loud voice saying, Harvey. And I said, okay. And I shut off the engine and went, ran into the house and got a bottle of water from the refrigerator. And when I got out, he was probably six or seven houses down the block. And I said, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, come here, I got some water for you. So I run to him and he runs to me and I give him the water and he said, you know, I am hot and it's hot out here. Thank you so much. I said, well, God bless you. And he said, no, 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 God bless you. So I was excited, the fact that it wasn't me that yelled out Harvey, it was God or one of his, his angels uh, but I was excited to do that. So whenever you have an occasion, you hear that loud voice telling you to do something, you better do it. <laughs> you, you better do it. But I'm thrilled to death. I've got another story for you, but I'll wait till next week, and it's a doozy. Thank you. Cliffhanger and encouragement. 
Hi, in case you don't recognize me, I'm Ed. You notice something different. Um, I did. <laughs> Good, Harvey. So, I am um, along the road over the last four years, God connected me with someone who I'm now in business with. This is a young woman who's probably half my age. And um, it always disturbs me when I hear her talk about men hitting on her through her Facebook page. I, I just, I, it really disturbs me. I mean, this, this woman is a beautiful Christian woman. It doesn't bother her, but I think because of my past, it really bothers me. So yesterday we were working and um, we had her 16 year old niece with us and she was helping us with some things and they start talking about their Facebook pages and all the men and I just said, you know, men are such pigs sometimes. I didn't use the word, I didn't even put sometimes in there. And earlier in the day, my friend Courtney had, had invited me to an audible book by John Bevere called The Bait of Satan. And I started listening to it after, after this conversation and after Courtney sent me a text saying, you know, uh, Salem was asking me, why are you so defensive about other men? And I started, I started listening to this, and it's all about how the bait of Satan is taking offense, and how we hold that in, and how it leads to resentment, and how it leads to anger, and all these other things. And wow, what a perfect trap. So there was God, and then I realized, well, it's, it's, mighty, it's mighty unfair of me to take a whole gender, gender and blame them for the acts of a few and ascribe characteristics to the whole gender. So to you guys, I apologize. <laughs> but um, there was God. I mean, there was God in one day, not only inviting me into a, to an audible, but showing me why I needed to listen to it. So thank you. That's awesome, Ed. God's loving correction. You love it. Amanda. Good morning. I tried to rush to church today just so I could do this. Um, the Bible says to store up your treasures in heaven. This week, um, my mom calls me from Louisiana and says that our, my childhood home was in the midst of some wildfires. Um, the reason, of course, I would be emotional because it's my childhood home, but my dad died seven, seven years ago and never let anyone tell you that grief is linear because it's not. Um, it feels like yesterday. I was happy that my mother was safe because she was at work. They wouldn't let her um, go back home, of course. But all I could think was that's where my dad died everything that he's worked for is in that house. So I grieved, but I couldn't do anything. There was nothing I could do. I'm here in Michigan. She's in Louisiana. And all I could hear was just wait. So I turned on some music and I praised 
and I praised. I didn't even pray about it, I just praised. And my mother calls me and she's crying and she said that she has gotten to the house. And my first thought was, oh God, everything is gone. But nothing was gone. You don't understand. There was fire around, around. But the house was saved. My dad's truck was saved. It touched nothing. So I just want, that's where I saw him this week. He is so good. He is so good. He did not say that bad things wouldn't happen. But he said that he would be with us in the midst. So there are some people, um, we lost my grandfather's home, but no one died out of all of that. So if you would continue to pray, or if you would pray with me that they get some rain, um, they're in the middle of a drought, so we're just praying that this does not happen again, just, but Father is so good. He is so good and he is so faithful. Thank you, Amanda. Okay, I can't wait a week. <laughs> we had a friend uh, that lived in Eastwood for a while, and she was uh, on the city council, and she moved out east, and two weeks ago, she went to Florida for a family reunion, and there was a fire in the house. And she and two or three people in the family died. And I can't tell you how many people in our city said, you know, I was going to call Colleen just to see how she's doing. It's too late. So I, what, what I want to do is challenge each one of you. Don't, don't raise your hand, but all of us have said, you know, I got to call Grandpa. I, I know he hasn't been feeling well. I think I'll give him a call. And you don't do it. I got to call my best friend who lives in California, and you don't do it. But the next day, the phone rings, and it says, your good friend Gloria passed away. And you didn't get to talk to her. So I'm challenging every one of us, including me, because I have a 93-year-old brother that lives in Illinois, and I haven't called him for a while. So I'm challenging each one of us, if you have that in your mind that I'm going to call somebody and you don't do it, something might happen. So anyway, I couldn't, I couldn't wait till next week. So you are going to feel good by calling somebody in this next week. And you're going to say, oh, Harvey, good to, I'm glad you called. So make yourself happy and make the person happy that you're going to call, right? And God's people said, Amen. I'm done. <laughs> Thank you, Harvey. All right, we got one in this new section. All right. I, I wasn't going to say this, but uh, I feel like it's the right thing. So um, two nights ago, I got a text on Facebook from a guy I haven't heard from in a while. And for years, I was involved as a volunteer leader with Young Life, with high school kids for ministry and so it was probably about 25 years ago there was a guy if you had to say anybody in the school who was like the biggest punk kind of a jerk uh, 
and this is that guy. And he and I became friends when he was in school and just, um, I just cared for him. And uh, he, he came to things and so got to hear about God, got to hear about God loving him. And so I'm gonna read some of these things. And so he said, so you gotta remember when you met me, I wasn't really living right. I believed in God, but didn't think, but thought that he hated me. I didn't know or understand Jesus at all, but I was at least going to youth group, what he called it, because of you. And then he goes on and he talks about um, that he went through a breakup with a girlfriend. I, I remember this, that some, a girlfriend had been unfaithful to him and he was really, really angry about it. And during that time, there was a passage that was um, just on my mind with that, especially with the unfaithfulness part. And I was like, well, God is really about faithfulness. And so um, I wrote down the passage of Galatians 5, 22 through 23, talking about the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, faithfulness, and, and went on with that. And so I wrote it down, underlined faithfulness. And so he took a picture of that, that I wrote down for him because he still has the thing and sent it to me. And then he went on to tell me that he's now involved in a church where he is and started doing youth work at the church and hanging out with high school kids. And, and he said that he just was kind of there showing up. And then he ended up seeing this group of kids who were a little bit more rambunctious and those kind of people. And he kind of actually went over to them and started hanging out with them. And guess what? One of the guys was, you know, going through a breakup and, and then he shared the same thing with them. So uh, the main thing that I, I guess I have to share about this is so much of the time when I was involved with ministry stuff, I, I was thinking I wanted to see results. I wanted to see things happen as I was thinking about when they should happen and how they should happen. And the cool thing is, is God's in control. God has a path and it works out in his time and he will do that. And sometimes we get to see it, sometimes we don't. Um, and God's faithfulness is, is good and real, even if it takes 25 years for that punk to be um, somebody who's really caring about other people in a great way. So yeah. Thank you, Pete. Anybody else? I'll walk slowly. Ooh, okay. I had some good news this week. Um, like most of you know, or some of you know anyway, over the last couple of years, uh, we've been having a uh, custody issue with my granddaughter. So we got a verdict this time. We had went back to court again. I didn't, they did. <laughs> anyway, we do have custody of her now for the school year. Yes. Um, but I feel totally that it was God's working that granted us this. And I also feel that it was nothing that we did personally. We didn't really change our lifestyles, but her birth mother just had a baby who is addicted to drugs. It was in the baby's system, it was in her system. It was in my granddaughter's system four years ago. And it was in the child she had just a year ago. The, um, she, the baby is now in NICU and CPS is involved. So what I'm asking today is prayers from mom. Well, can we pray for her now? Would that be okay? Yes. Okay. 
Um, God, we just ask that you would um, be near. God, that you would bring healing, that you would bring hope, that you would provide um, for this family. And so we pray for mom, we pray for baby, we pray for this new season of granddaughter being with them and ask that you would show yourself faithful in this season. Amen. Okay, one last one. Hi. Yeah, of course. My name is talk this talk oh my name is paris and i'm new here um i'd like to say that to tell people that all, all things are possible like 10 years ago for seven years i was uh semi-homeless even during the pandemic not by the grace of god we got money so i took that money and bought a car because i knew this lady was determined to get me out of this apartment no matter what so i said well i'm gonna get ready for it you know what I'm, saying? I'm gonna i'm gonna buy buy me a car and i ain't staying in the street i ain't living on the street that's not happening with all these builders and everything everywhere so i bought the car and i lived in the car for like a whole year then the last year of pandemic the year before and, uh, and, and what I did was, uh, nobody knew I was, was homeless and living in my car. So churches all around the neighborhood, they was like feeding people, feeding the homeless and feeding people. So I was like, oh, shit, I might as well help them. I ain't doing nothing, you know, I'm sitting in the car all day. You know, and then by the time, by the time, the end of the day, I was wow. out. So I didn't have time to think about what I was going through. I just, just lived every day and worked on doing the best I can do to get back on my foot. But during those, the years before when I was homeless, jumping from shelter to shelter, which did not help me like at all. It didn't help like half of the people, literally. And I was like so messed up about that because I thought that y'all supposed to have people, nobody supposed to go out without sheltering over the head. I don't understand what's happening. And they were like, hey, they got to do their part. I'm like, Okay, but you got to do your part too. What's up? Well, I don't understand. So I, the last time I went in for the sixth time, I said, this is it. I'm not getting the shelter no more. I'm done. <laughs> you know, so if you can help me, I'll figure it out. You know, by the grace of God, I will figure it out. Cause I'm not living outside. That's a, that's a no, no. But I, I, I learned that uh, being busy, helping other people while you, while you going through trials and tribulations, you don't even think about your problem. You, you know, you do what you got to do, and then you just do everything else for everybody. If, if, if it weren't for good people, I, I, I wouldn't want to be here, literally. And I learned that good people always made me feel like, I, I can go on. I can do it again and again and again. Whatever you throw at me, I'm going to do what I got to do, and then I'm going to lead the rest of God, and I'm going to just keep busy. <laughs> and it'll work its way out. And it has. I live right over here in Royal Oak for like, three years now. I love real local. I went to college out here. <laughs> so they said, one lady just would not give me the apartment no matter what I did. She would not give me this apartment. I said, lady, I'm living in my car. I need to, I need to, it's, it, nothing went ain't gonna work. You know what I'm saying? I need to get it in, in a place. And she had like, she just didn't care. So, so I guess she was all against me and this other lady heard her because they always you know it's, it's different apartments under that same corporation so she was like this lady is wearing this lady out and she needs to get in the place so she comes she said do you want to live in Roland? i said yes I love <laughs> and so she said so she said i'm sending you paperwork saying that this is how much you're going to be paying every month and i was like that's what i'm talking about thank you lord <laughs> so 
Never, never let nothing keep you down too long. Of course, you're going to cry sometimes. I think I've ready to cry about two times, you know, seven years ago and through all those changes, but that was it. And I didn't cry too long because it can give you a headache. You cry too long. You know, so I didn't want to keep a headache. So I thank, I thank the Lord in Jesus' name every day. Every day. Amen. Thank you. All right, well, thank you, God, for what you are doing. We ask for more and more of your presence, your power, your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to hand it over to Pete. Thank you. And I'm back. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Pete. Welcome. Hi, Andrew. It's really fun and really encouraging to see you all here and hear stories of what God is doing in our midst. And I know even seeing more faces around how God is even moving more and more than just the things that we've heard. So I'm very thankful for that and thankful that you are here today. We are excited to have you here at Genesis. And one of the things that we do is we want to make sure that people get to tell us that they're here and also um, ask that if you have a prayer requests that you want to have us praying for you, please uh, fill out the green card. So there are actual ones in front of you, or there's a virtual one that you can go to. And so the virtual digital connection card is on our website. And then the physical one, if you fill that out, you can put it in the, the box at the back. And if you are new to Genesis, you can text all one word, new to Genesis, to 94000. And that will get you signed up to some of our uh, announcements and thing, things through that. So please do that. And then that green card, as I said, you can place in the back. Uh, you can also place any offerings that you have brought with you. And so thank you for those that you're going to put in there, but also thank you for those who, who give digitally. And so you also have the opportunity. You can take a look and, and take a look through our website. You can do it online through text, all of that kind of stuff. So there should be information up there on that. But uh, if you want to check out the website and that has that. So we have also released the 2024, I guess, budget. Would that be right? Not the 2023 budget, the, the 2024 budget that we're looking ahead, looking at what the budget's going to be for next year uh, for your review. Please take a look online um, and, and actually take a look. We, we have that available for you. Review it, and we're looking to affirm that next week, but we are also having a question and answer session after church and after the service, and it will be held in the conference room, which is right up front there. So if you have any questions about that that you've come across, uh, just want further clarification or have thoughts about what that is, then please join us there. And right now, if you could actually take a moment, stand up, and say hello to the people around you. But at the same time, before you do that, the students and the kids could actually run to the back and we release you to your classes. Thanks, everyone.
She, it's all in there. I love her. <laughs> she is adorable. Good morning, Genesis. Uh, we are Dan and Sharon Buttry, members here, and it's our delight and honor to be able to share God's word this morning. And we do ask for your prayers that we would be anointed by the Holy Spirit to bring divine light to a very difficult passage of scripture, which I am now going to read and should be on the screen shortly. Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. The faith of a Canaanite woman. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for gathering us together. And as we partake of your word, Pray that you would feed us. We need your spirit, God. So may your spirit be present with Sharon and I and with each one that's here so that your word could feed us well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, how many of you have read this passage before or you just heard it now and you said, What? How do you Okay, some of you. This is one of the toughest passages in all the Gospels. And we're continuing a series that seems to be here of our summer messages on strong and difficult sayings of Jesus. So this is definitely one of those. Um, Jesus was on a road trip with his disciples. This is the only time recorded in the Gospels where Jesus went outside the, the, the boundaries where Jews predominated. They went up to Tyre and Phoenicia, which was under Roman occupation in what they call the province of Syria. Now today, Tyre is located in Lebanon, and Sharon and I have been there. It's a cosmopolitan seaport bustling with these uh, shopping districts called souks. Uh, lots of ex excellent food there, everything imaginable for home or business shopping. But in Jesus' day, it was known by the rabbis 
is a place of blank ignorance. Jesus and his disciples had just finished a time of intense ministry around the Sea of Galilee. It's told earlier in the chapter. And after this intense time, he went to Tyre. So Jesus is looking for rest, a little getaway a time to be in a place where he would not be easily recognized as the one to feed 5,000 people in a day or greet hundreds of needy people all lining up for healing. But Jesus could not be hidden. Mark chapter 7 tells this same story and it says, he entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, and yet he could not keep his presence secret. Even in the most dark and notorious places, Jesus could not be kept secret. And that is still true today. Wherever, wherever there are people who are experiencing times and places of shadow, of darkness, of shame, Jesus will not be kept secret. It doesn't matter if you made the darkness around you or were pulled into it, Jesus will be present and Jesus will be known. It doesn't matter if you need deliverance in physical, emotional, spiritual, social ways. Jesus will not be kept secret. Jesus will be known. Now, the disciples were not happy about this woman who showed up to shatter the peace and quiet of this intended getaway, this vacation from ministry. Yeah, this woman was desperate. Her little daughter was suffering from demons, or maybe what we would call today a mental health crisis. Her daughter was possessed and oppressed. There was no relief coming for the daughter or the mother. Have you ever been desperate, finding yourself without any help or healing? Or have you cared for someone who you were desperate to help? It happened to us in June. Our little granddaughter, Liliana, who we take care of, she got an ear infection and a stomach virus at the same time, and we couldn't get her to keep down any medicine. She had a fever of 101 to 106 for about six days, and she became dehydrated and listless. She wouldn't even answer to her name. So we rushed her to the emergency room, and she stayed in the hospital for two nights. The first night, the nurse came in and said the pharmacy messed up and they didn't have the medication that Liliana desperately needed. So let's say I was not willing to accept that information. <laughs> I fought for my granddaughter until she got what she needed. I almost called Dan and had him go to a pharmacy to get what the hospital didn't have. But I know how desperate a mom or grandma can be. So I am not surprised that this woman kept begging and crying and pleading for help. She did not have Beaumont Hospital. She had nowhere to turn, and she knows who Jesus is. In fact, Jesus is called by this woman, Lord, Son of David. She shows honor to Jesus and calls him out for the truth of who he is. And how does she know? I mean, she's not an Israelite woman. She hadn't been raised on the Hebrew scriptures with the Messianic prophecies. She was a Canaanite, a Syrophoenician, a Gentile woman from a pagan culture. But somehow she knew who Jesus is. 
And she says more than even most Jews would. Her faith was unexpected, maybe even unwelcomed, especially as we saw by the disciples. After all, it must be said, she was a woman begging. She fell at his feet. She kept on pleading. She would not take no for an answer. She was like that persistent widow that Jesus described in his parable in Luke 18, 1 to 8. Jesus told a story about a poor, powerless widow who persisted in nagging a corrupt, powerful judge to do justice for her. Jesus instructed the disciples after telling this story, he said, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says after he had given justice to the woman. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This woman was living out Jesus' parable because she would not be quiet. And it seems that Jesus is acting out the role of the unjust judge because at first he doesn't even answer her cries for help. So she knew very well that she did not belong to the people of Israel. She was from a Gentile and pagan society she didn't even speak the heart language of Jesus. Her cries were likely in Greek, and Jesus' mother tongue was Aramaic. The two of them really could not have been more different. She knew that Jesus' slightest mercy was way more than what she deserved. But her love for her daughter caused her, her desire to overcome her opinion about what she deserved. And she was not going to take no as an answer from Jesus in any language. As this encounter with Jesus continues, we have to ask ourselves about how Jesus treated her. At first, he says nothing to her. Jesus is silent in the face of this pleading mother. Hey, this is Jesus. Have you ever felt the silence of God? If so, maybe you can feel for this woman. And then Jesus speaks, and it doesn't get better. He's, his comment to her seems stinging and insulting. He replies, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Hmm. Is Jesus cruel? Is he completely pushing her aside verbally and in such a demeaning way? Or is something else going on? Could this be one of those, you've heard it said, but I say to you, teachings? Who is listening in this scenario? Surely the woman, but also the disciples who are there hanging on. Is this comment coming from the heart of Jesus, or is Jesus giving voice to what he knows is in her heart and also in the disciples' mind? Is this a teaching moment to go deeper with all of them? So the woman has desperate need, but perhaps also inner doubts. I don't belong here. I'm not a Jew. 
And when Jesus pushes back, it seems he is echoing her inner feelings. And by giving her faith a workout, he is helping her not only with the physical and mental healing of her daughter, but also with her relationship to him, to Jesus. It's kind of like physical therapy. I've spent a lot of time in PT in the last year. And at times I would sit on the table and my therapist would test my strength by holding my foot and making me push against her. And at first I really couldn't do it, but her resistance helped me to grow stronger. And now I can walk on my own without pain or disability. So through his resistance, Jesus calls forth this woman's faith. He pushes her to, to discover that she does belong, that this unnamed woman is a daughter of faith, and even she becomes an example to others. <laughs> yeah, the others, the disciples, they want her to go away. And maybe what they really think is that she is worth no more than a dog. Indeed, they'd been conditioned by their culture to think so. In every culture on the planet, there are those who express bigotry, ignorance, and hatred toward the other, whoever they may be. And so Jesus is acting out and giving voice to what those disciples think about non-Jews, including this woman. And then so like Jesus, he throws in a twist. He draws forth and then he honors her faith. Then Jesus says to her, woman, you have great faith. And he lifts up this woman, this, this, this Gentile woman. He lifts her up as an example, especially to the disciples in their prejudice. We may bring our needs to God as this woman did, but there are other deeper things that sometimes need attention. And Jesus takes the time to talk to her and process her deepest need. It seems like he's testing her faith. He's not quick to answer. He allows her to repeat her petition. This is not the first time we've seen Jesus delay miracles or, or help or aid. Remember, he was reluctant to change the water into wine, his very first miracle. And he walked on the water past the boat when the disciples were sinking in the storm. He stayed in a village long past the time of Lazarus' death. It said, Lazarus is sick. He's mortally sick. Come quickly. And he stayed for four days before he showed up. Why? To demonstrate and strengthen the faith of those who asked and trusted him and to show the glory of God in unexpected ways. Oh, that's amazing. It resonates too. <laughs> now, some theologians say that Jesus really shows his humanity here to the point that he struggled with sin, the racism or bigotry of his time. And that Jesus had to process his own immersion in the culture of his time. And that this woman calls him out and argues with him to the point that Jesus is the one who is transformed. Well, that doesn't sit well with me. It would be a first in all the witness of scripture that Jesus would be the one in need of transformation. And if Jesus sinned, then his sinlessness, which is a condition of his being our savior, 
would be compromised. I don't think this woman at the end of the day thought Jesus had sinned or was cruel. I think she went home standing taller and more confident that she was right to call him Lord, son of David, Messiah, and he healed her daughter. I think she went home doing pretty well. Now she was a Gentile. And at first it seemed she was okay with the crumbs. Like the little pet dogs at the table, she didn't demand to sit and eat like God's people. She was okay with just the crumb that falls. And Jesus knew exactly what he was gonna do. And he refers to her as a dog, yes, but there's a, a teeny tiny twist that is only picked up in the Greek language here because they had a special term, an affectionate term uh, for the pet dogs. And that Greek was the language that she was speaking and Jesus knew as well, and that the New Testament was recorded in. And so she, he wasn't calling her one of those wild, beastly street dogs, you know, one of the dogs that was so often running around in some parts of the world today, you still go around, they got no leash laws, just these dogs running around. But, but he uses this term of, of the house pet, the beloved little one. She's part, she's part of God's family, God's community, pet dog. And the crumbs and the bread in this story is about the word of God and the grace of God and that they are for everyone but he takes her further. So the scripture is consistent that Jesus reached out again and again to bless people outside of the household of faith, outside of the people of Israel. Do you remember the woman at the well who went back into her Samaritan village and told people that Jesus had given her living water? And Jesus healed a Roman centurion's son and praised his faith just like he praised the faith of this woman. And the disciples, and even you and I, we need to see things more than once to get the point. And this story is just one more reminder to the disciples and to us that Jesus came for all people and that no one is to be turned away if they have faith in him. There's a great Christian writer, Henry Nouwen. Some of you may have read some of his stuff. We've read a lot of it. And uh, Henry Nouwen says, when we claim and constantly reclaim the truth of being the chosen ones, we soon discover within ourselves a deep desire to reveal to others their own chosenness. Instead of making us feel that we are better, more precious or valuable than others, our awareness of being chosen opens our eyes to the chosenness of others. That's the great joy of being chosen, the discovery that others are chosen as well. In the house of God, there are many mansions and there is place for everyone, a unique, special place. Once we deeply trust that we ourselves are precious in God's eyes, we're able to recognize the preciousness of others and their unique place in God's heart. So, you know, I often say I'm God's favorite because my father in heaven makes me feel that way. But of course you are too. And so we, as we wrap it up, this vacation trip with the disciples is a beautiful demonstration that, that Jesus came for all, but he comes uniquely for one. One wonders if the whole point of this 140 mile round trip on foot, uh, on foot 
was just for the woman and her daughter because it was about 70 miles from where Jesus had been teaching up to Tyre and then back again. And after they came back to Galilee, Jesus held a three-day healing marathon. His compassion is above all. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is not about the crumbs. His plan is to set a banquet. And as he lifts up this woman's faith, he lifts her up to sit at that banquet. She's an example. She's a child. She's a daughter of the Messiah she was praising. His plan is to set that banquet. And how precious each of us are to our loving God. You know, he didn't just give us crumbs, but rather he pledged to sacrifice his very life to allow his body to be broken for each and every one of us. We're going to celebrate communion together. And in a few moments, we will invite you to come up the center aisle and then visit either side. Uh, Sandra and Bill are going to be on one side. Sharon and I are going to be on the other. And um, to receive the, the bread, the, the living word, not, not a crumb from the table, but, but the broken body of Jesus. And after you receive the bread, uh, dip it in the juice. And please use the side aisles to return to your seat. I think we also have some uh, uh, gluten-free crackers here in the middle. So if you need that, uh, help yourself and dip that into the juice. But everyone is, uh, is to save, save the bread, the, the wet bread, <laughs> and take it back to your seat, and then we'll all eat together. Or we were changing that, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't drip on you. Sorry about that. So it doesn't drip on you. Go ahead and eat it. Uh, but we do have something special to draw us together as a community. So just take a moment before we have communion together. And I would love for you to look at your neighbor as you come forward. The people who come before and behind you. Many of us know each other's stories. We heard great testimonies this morning. And we know some of those places of desperation in our lives. And we resonate with each other's fears sometimes that maybe we are not enough or that God has really not heard our cry or plea for help. We might be in a moment of silence from God. So just take the time as we come, not just for yourself, but look at one another, pray for one another silently. And bless, let's bless each other in our prayer that we can receive the fullness that Jesus will offer because Jesus is not hidden and Jesus will not be silent. As we come to the table, may we also examine our hearts. Like the disciples, do we hold others in less esteem than Jesus does? Are there people that you say are, are beyond hope in whom you would never find faith. Jesus took that road trip, maybe just because this woman, maybe just because his disciples needed to see that no one, anywhere, anytime, is outside of God's view, God's compassion, and God's help. And if there is a need for confession and opening up your heart, here and now is the day, the time, the hour. But wherever you are, whoever you are, Please come and receive from the Lord. 
For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to the disciples and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Lord, you've given us your body, your blood, your very self. Open our hearts to faith wherever it may be found and plant courage in our hearts to keep coming to you in our need and desperation. Thank you that you meet us here in the bread and the fruit of the vine, the earth and its blessing. Amen. Please come, pray for one another, make confession if you need to, and let us eat and drink together. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living home. Your presence. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. When my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Long for 
to be overcome by your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. I invite you to stand and receive the closing benediction and blessing. May the God who loves every one of us who made each of you and paid for each of you by his death on the cross. May you walk in that love and in that grace and in that power, and may you become his agents of grace and love to the people who need it so much. Go forth to love and serve the Lord. Amen.